0: with me in my foul life
1: we're here we're back it's the foul life podcast and guess what we got the motor city madman ted nugent back again he's got a special guest with him who is that is that
0: sadie this is sadie the lady i'm telling you chad you see that smile on my face even during the treachery the insanity, the criminality, the treason, the stupidity that runs amok on planet Earth, especially in America today. I am probably the happiest, mallard-eating, backstrap-slugging, swamp-running, marsh-humping uh, celebrant you'll ever run into. What a great, great season. And, and most of all, because of Sadie. Look how beautiful Sadie is. She is, she is the greatest retriever in the world, Chad. Case closed. She,
1: so, I, I assume when you say greatest retriever in the world, can she uh, deliver two hand out of water and on dry fields, or what's her specialty?
0: Uh, her specialty is when daddy shoots the gun, she brings me dead stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I All my dogs. I got Sadie, Happy and Coco. You can go in there with Happy and Coco right now. There you go. Daddy loves you. You be good girl. She just had a mouthful of backstrap. So it's going to be hard for me to get rid of her. But anyhow, my three dogs, we hunt everything. They're the greatest coon hunters. Uh, they kill possums on site. It's really, it's really beautiful, beautiful ballet of tooth, fang, and claw. But pheasants and doves and grouse and woodcock, ducks, geese. These dogs they, and they, they track, they blood trail. So we do everything together every day. So no matter what Daddy's endeavor might might unleash at the moment. These three dogs make me very, very happy. You have to admit, killing ducks is great. Setting up the blinds is great. Figuring out decoys and going into the mallard holes is exciting but watching the dogs is is that 99% i think it's 99% of it isn't
1: it 100% it's uh it's 99% 100% of what you said is true right now 99% of the duck hunter any duck if you're over two pointing labs that honor each other and respect each other over the you know if you're up in the rim rocks of idaho or nevada chasing chuck or partridge or you're in south dakota or western minnesota after roosters rooster but those dogs the way that they just bring it and, and and you know, the, the, the camaraderie and the disposition and the personality of a dog, Ted Nugent is what's amazing how they can go from what she was just doing, sitting on your lap, the best friend, the best pet, the best confidant in the world. And then all of a sudden that switch flicks the other way and they're just become a machine. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I've never been without a dog. This is my 73rd year celebrating the American dream. And there's never been a year I've been without dogs. I can go all the way back to Kippy in nineteen, in the early nineteen fifties, as a little boy, and our first Duke, the Labrador, and and Shad, and, and Gonzo one, Gonzo two, Bruin one, Bruin two, uh, um, Paco, Popeye, and Pinecone. I could name all of them. And we hunt so much. They're the greatest squirrel dog. They'll go from squirrels to ducks. And Chad, when I whip out, well, I don't even have to whip out my shotgun. I literally put on either a bird vest, which is got orange on it, or my duck vest, which is camouflage. And these dogs, their heads turn and they start making squealing noises. And the minute they see the shotgun, I filmed it, it's been on Spirit of the Wild TV a few times, but they run in circles like maniacs because they know we're going after something. And they live to do this, I live to do this. And here's the question to you, Chad, the duck czar. You're the the waterfowl czar. Answer me this. Why would anybody go bird hunting or duck hunting without a dog I wouldn't even do it.
1: No, you can't. You
0: you you can't like I I think that you can have some sort of
1: success but for the overall what the hunt is supposed to give to the human spirit and your show is exactly that the spirit of the wild there's just something about that anticipation like my and I tell people this all the time Ted my labs and I'm sure Sadie does the same they spot the game before I even know what's going on like they literally are my warning bell of like hey you know like hey get ready it's time to go they they can anticipate and their instincts are so deadly that they just they run the hunt for me and I I would never first of all I would never hunt upland birds ever without a dog there's some instances where I've had a too cold or there's too much ice or the river current was a little too much to send a dog because I'm always thinking about safety first but yes you have to have that dog uh, it's amazing to me that that people would ever tell me and I'm not saying that all pets aren't important but there's something special about a Labrador or a sporting dog as a pet and as a hunting partner there's just there's you just can't replace it you can't there's nothing that even comes close in my opinion
0: well, I've always celebrated the uh, historical colloquialism "tooth, fang, and claw." A lot of young people have never heard that before, but it's the it's the spirit of nature. Nature is not cute and cuddly, you know. A fawn, a doe will certainly nurture and lick and and protect the fawn, and same with a, a bear and a cub. But ultimately, it's. It's vicious. It's tooth, fang, and claw. And these dogs, these hunting dogs, and I got I got family members with little doggies. In fact, one bit me yesterday, and I can't believe I didn't have him mounted. But, and one of the dogs got really angry yesterday, and he bit me. But that's a different story altogether. And the dog's still alive, which shows that I have compassion and tolerance and, and great patience. But, but what these dogs display, what you're talking about, you mentioned about that radar, that instinct, that super sense of awareness that they have. I'm partially deaf because of all the firearms and the rock and roll all my life, but I wear I wear walker's game ears so I can hear better and I also can protect my hearing. But way before I ascertain the arrival of wings, my dogs immediately jerk to attention. And I can tell when they jerk to attention, I probably want to have that finger on the safety because it's imminent. My dogs are a warning, and obviously on upland birds, whether it's roosters or even doves, they can tell when doves are coming, when I hunt grouse and woodcock. These dogs, that's the anticipatory, shall I say, crescendo of a day of field when you watch those dogs perform their most pure, natural, powerful instinct to participate in tooth fang and claw to get some dead meat for the family. It, it, it's a spiritual moment. It's a samurai moment where when you see the dog get birdie, a lot of dogs display different birdiness. And even in the duck blind or in the flooded timber of Arkansas, way before you and I know there's any critters around, those dogs have a quiver themselves. They start to pulsate and they maybe make little whimper whining noises or they cock their heads. I have a German Shepherd Coco, Chad, that is a great waterfowl hunter. And her ears seem to be better than Happy and Sadie's those big German shepherd ears. And she retrieves ducks. She retrieves ducks just like my labs and my Catahoula. And it's about experience and repetition and training. But the point is, is how can you live without a canine partner, especially if you're going to get foul flesh for the family? Those are my three favorite episodes, foul flesh for the family.
1: Ooh, I like that. Well, let me ask you this real quick about why we're on the subject of pets We've touched on cougars on our last conversation. I've seen bobcats perform unbelievable acts in the wild. Lynxes are amazing hunters. Um, why, do you, why don't why do we look at cats the same way? When we have farms, and I'm sure you've seen it on your farmland and your ranches, that the mice are almost non-existent because you might have a cat around. But why I, I don't get turned on about walking into a person's house and seeing a cuddly kitten as i do about seeing sadie on your lap are you the same way or are you a little bit more mature in your ability to accept cats will i get there someday uncle ted or have you ever gotten there because i really don't have a lot of patience for them, but i do respect them as being awesome hunters so the second part of the question uncle ted is why didn't we ever breed a cat to be by our side to run out and get us game like we have the canine
0: Boy, those are great inquiries, Chad, and I'm proud to share this campfire with you because you happen to be on the Chad Belding podcast with the Cat Man Do. I not only wrote the song Cat Scratch Fever, which is one of the sexiest love songs in the history of noise, um, I thought I'd mention that, but you're also talking to a guy who has this love-hate affair with cats. My girlfriend had a cat named Chester, and it was lovey-dovey, and Chester loved me, and it would get in my lap, and it would do that claw thing on my legs just this short of scratching. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a real uh, display of affection. But you're also, and my, <laughs> my son Rocco got a kitten for, for uh, um, I guess it was, um, it could have been Christmas or a birthday. Uh, anyhow, he got a little kitten. And they go, what are you going to name it? And I, I offered the name Pull, um, you know, <laughs> because I had run into so many feral cats when I first bought rural property in 1970 that they were a scourge. And the Audubon Society and everybody who actually pays attention and knows the truth about feral cats, they are the scourge of the wild. There is nothing more destructive in the great outdoors than feral, including lovey-dovey pet cats who are let out at night and all they do is kill everything. So to the final question, it is amazing. They are such deadly predators. They are so tuned in. They have this unbelievable cat, bobcat, cougar, lion radar that I can't believe the pharaohs they have great, you know, Sphinx uh, uh, monuments to their cats. It is amazing how good of a killer and a hunter that a cat is that we failed as the human race to train them to be our hunting partners. So I love the cats that end up in our family. But you're also looking at a young man. I used to be a young man who has killed more feral cats than anyone you will ever meet. When I first bought my property, I kept asking my neighbors because I'd never owned a farm before. I'd been on farms, but I never owned one, so I didn't spend consistent time on it. I would go, every time I go out hunting or every time I go to the woods or just to plant trees or cut cut firewood, I'm seeing cats. What's with the cats? That's when I was about 19 years old, 20 years old. And expeditiously did I learn the lesson that free-range cats are a scourge on wildlife. And the Audubon Society did a study, two year study in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, many, many years ago, back in the mid seventies, where they determined that feral cats just in the municipality of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they kill millions of songbirds. Now we want them to kill the mice and the rats and even the chipmunks and the red squirrels that get into the barn and the granary. But you can't discipline a cat. All they want to do is kill everything. So I have a great respect for their capabilities. But they have to be managed, shall we say, so that they don't become a negativity. If you have uncontrolled feral cats, you will not have any pheasants or quail or rabbits. They'll kill everything. So I've got a, I've got a list of photos of great, great hunts this year. But my favorite one, and I don't know how some of our viewers might take this, but my favorite kill is when Happy treated a giant calico cat, and with my Glock 10 millimeter, I terminated him. And I figure I saved a lot of songbirds that day.
1: I have another comment and question about pets. But before we get into this, this next part about pets and cats and dogs, because I have to understand Uncle Ted's opinion and outlook and maybe even the word forecast of what's going to happen in our country. But you you just put a hat on. I'm wearing the same hat. We don't talk a lot about sponsors on here because the sponsors know I love them and, they, and we do a lot of things with them in cahoots to make sure that we are trying to, what we talk about, move the needle. But you're wearing a hat, HN, red, white, and blue. It stands for Hunter Nation. You are the national spokesperson for Hunter Station, the great Keith Mark, the great Don Jr. There's several people. I've been involved for about the last 18 months. I'm very proud to be a member. Um, but can you tell our listening audience, Ted Nugent, what is it? that hunter nation is striving for again because the more that i study it and do a forensic audit on what the facts that you and keith have taught me it blows my mind about the voting and in different states and what you guys are accomplishing in places right now currently of like wisconsin can you just give us a little rundown of what hunter nation is as our sponsor plug today please
0: But My pleasure. Um, It is a great organization. Luke Hilgerman and Keith Mark and and Kevin and uh, some real hard chargers. I mean, they studied the statistics that broke our heart, Chad, that proved that an embarrassing percentage, in most instances, the majority. Think of this. Think of this self-inflicted scourge of apathy. When we bought the statistics, the rolls of licensed hunters in all 50 states and saw that I don't believe any of the states even had 50% of licensed hunters registered to vote. Now, we could dwell on that heartbreak and that embarrassment, but here I'm going to leap forward to today, Chad, Virginia. Do not underestimate that God, family, Country, private property rights, the hunting, outdoor, ranching, farming, conservation lifestyle, law and order, the man in the arena work ethic. Hunter Nation played a role in Virginia where we tipped it upside down. It went from a Marxist orgy of anti-Americanism to Republicans that we vetted, And we inspired licensed hunters to get into their responsibility of experimenting in self-government. And we steamrolled them in Virginia. If that's not a hallelujah moment, I don't know what it is. And I got to tell my fellow hunters here, and I suspect that all the Chad Belding blood brothers are hunting, fishing, trapping, conservationists, God, family, country. Put your heart and soul into being the best that you can be. But if we don't vote... The people that hate our lifestyle win. And I know there's a huge controversy about whether votes are legitimate nowadays. But again, look what we did in Virginia. Now, Hunter Nation didn't do that alone. But boy, did we play a pivotal role in getting those rural, suburban, licensed hunters, conservatives to vote And we turned it from a state that would allow men to wear skirts and go into a woman's bathroom. We turned it from people who who the left and the liberals and the Democrats who will release rapists and murderers and carjackers and burglars and home invaders. They keep letting these people out and then they defund the police and then make it harder for we the people to fight to uh, uh, to get a firearm to defend our family. Literally, the liberals are creating the definitive recipe. For cultural Deprivation, cultural abandonment. We at Hunter Nation, I hope everybody goes to HunterNation.org, love the ducks, love the pheasants, love the deer, love the grouse, love the trout, love the quail. We love them all. And their conservation habitat organizations, elk, turkey, everybody, they do God's work and I support all of them. I've always supported all of them. But Hunter Nation has brought a crowbar to the doily fight. And we had to hit some of our fellow hunters upside the head and go, hey, hey, you're not registered to vote, but you're going to complain? You can't complain if you don't do your research and perform your number one responsibility (laughs) as a American and vote God, family, country, hunting lifestyle, law and order, being the best that you can be, and that only girls can go into girls' bathrooms. I mean, it's that, it's that insane out there, Chad. So Hunter Nation is the fist in the culture war that has turned into a spiritual war where the left represents the most toxic, evil, nasty, anti-American agenda I've seen in 73 years.
1: Wow, very well said. And I want before you stopped on your talk about we're going to get into more politics, I assume, but New Jersey, what is there's two things that I really saw today when I woke up that the really close race in New Jersey with the Democrat pulling it out at the very end. But I want to know I want to know your opinion on what's going on in that state. I want you to talk about the truck driver for a second. But I also Mr. Ted Nugent, I want your opinion on there's actually people that want a recount in Virginia to show them that they're that it wasn't as close as it was we want it to be fair we want to show you like hey the the republican won but we want to show you that he even won by more and they're even though they don't need a recount they're saying they're taking a chance my question to you aren't we taking a chance if we go in there and request a recount after a victory but what is that on based on principle in your opinion or do they really want to show that it wasn't as close as they claim it was
0: well Chad, number one, before I even address those inquiries, um, let me give a huge all-American shit-kicker salute to you, because we could talk about chokes, we could talk about shot size, we could talk about barrel length, we could talk about shotgun design and function, we could talk about blinds and decoys, and we could talk about the things that are so soothing. I call it spiritual comfort topics comfort food, comfort time around the campfire. We could just dwell on that, but here's the point. That's what the hunting world has done forever. I already know where the 30-06 out came from. I already know the bullets of the 6.5 Creedmoor. I already know what a 44 Magnum does that a 44 Special doesn't do. I live this stuff. I already know that stuff. And do we need to keep talking about that? Yes, but not like we always have. And now the time has come where if you're not a political animal in America, the people who hate America, thank you. Let me say that again, because a lot of guys are, I'm not into politics. Then move to Cuba where you're not allowed to be into politics. What do you mean you're not into politics? The American dream is about we the people demanding that we determine our own future, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We're not waiting for some bureaucrat to decide whether our son's old enough to go hunting. We're not waiting for some bureaucrat to tell us whether we can hunt on Sunday or not, like there is in eight states. We're not waiting for some bureaucrat to tell me I only need three shells in my shotgun because it might still be the the dust bowl of 1937. These are the kind of issues that the hunting industry and the hunting celebrities have avoided forever. So now I see an awakening that is so exciting and it goes right to what I just mentioned, Virginia to to answer your question i believe that when the truth comes out after honest scrutiny forensic review and the facts are identified conclusively i believe that the left is a lunatic fringe I believe that the anti-hunting animal rights freaks are a lunatic fringe, but they have the media, they have the entire Democrat Party, they have half the Republicans, they got big tech, they got academia, they got, they got Hollywood, they got all these forces of visibility and communication that have trampled all over Conservative America, and remember, conservative America, that term is from conservation, the wise use of our gifts, the wise use of our intellect, the wise use of our natural resources, the wise uses of our energy, the wise uses of our economy. Conservation is the wise, responsible, smart use of everything God has provided us. And if you're not a political animal for conservative values, the people who hate conservative values Anti-hunters, anti-gun, animal rights Democrats, Marxists, Antifa, Black Lives Matter All these freak terrorist organizations That literally want to end the Constitution End our First Amendment They've they've accomplished that They've ended our Second Amendment in about 12 states You can't keep and bear jack squat In about a dozen states Well, you got to have paperwork And it can be in your truck It's got to be in the safe That's not keeping and bearing It doesn't say keep and track. It doesn't say keepin' safe It doesn't say keepin' gun club It says keepin' bear I got a couple in my belt right now And no man can tell me I can't take them Anywhere in the United States of America My point is That there is a great wake-up call And Hunter Nation is the alarm So again, I'm going to say it HunterNation.org HunterNation.org If you are not fighting For the conservative traditional values that make America the only place worth living, Chad. I've traveled the whole world my whole life. Nobody, nobody lives like we do. You can't, on my average day, every day of my life, it's illegal everywhere else in the world. Your private property determining your own use of wildlife, uh, bag limits, uh, dates, regulations based on science where where science exists, because most state game agencies have abandoned science and way too many regulations. But Hunter Nation, it is the wake up call for we, the people, to perform our number one responsibility experiment in self-government know your mayor your senator your congressman and your governor and make sure they know you because if they don't know what you stand for they're going to listen to some freak who they will listen to and who is active and they'll step all over you and i don't stand for that
1: do you when you start talking about Um, the 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 bearing of arms the 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 uprise in gun ownership the uprise in applications for concealed weapons permit our state here 13 months waiting line to get in and just do your fingerprints to get a true license because they have all these excuses they don't have enough personnel manpower to make sure that they have you know you can go in and get it done at the sheriff's office what do you see happening in, in your forecast? We talked about forecasts a second ago, Mr. Ted Nugent. What do you see happening as far as this, this what our policies and our leadership want to uh, demolish this right to bear arms? But on the other side of the totem pole, on the other side of the teeter-totter, you have an uprising in gun sales that is bigger than it was when Obama was in office. We can't even find ammo. My question is, that's two-sided, are they controlling... Is there a way that we can predict that there will be ammo available for this uprising in guns and people wanting to bear arms? And the second part of the question, if you will, is open versus concealed. In your opinion, is it better to have an open carried policy versus a concealed policy? Because I often question this a lot personally.
0: Well, good stuff. Let me start by uh, giving a big overview of truth, logic, and common sense regarding the sacred Second Amendment. I have a First Amendment. I can speak my mind on the ground within the borders of the United States of America. I have the right to redress my government and protest on all earth within the borders of the United States of America. I can choose my religion at will we're no religion on the ground within the borders of the United States of America and you know what i don't need chad for that i don't need paperwork i don't need a license and i don't need a permit why because god gave me those rights because our founding fathers met and said what doesn't the king allow us to do that we know instinctively that is our god given individual rights let's write them down So they wrote down the First Amendment and you sure as hell don't need paperwork or a license or fingerprints or photo ID to have a First Amendment within the borders of the United States of America. I take it one step further. I think I have the right to have the First Amendment on planet Earth. And I've exercised that all across Europe and Africa and and Britain. And now let's go to the Second Amendment, shall we, Chad? I don't need paperwork or a permit or a license or fingerprints or photo ID from any man in any state, in any city, in any building, on any street corner to execute my God-given individual right to keep and bear arms. I have the right, without any paperwork, To keep and bear arms within the borders of the United States of America. And I've also exercised that throughout Europe and Africa and Britain as well. Because I have that right from God. And there's no man that can go, hey, uh, Ted, here's a couple areas you don't have the right to keep. bear. Pow! I'm going to hire Mike Tyson to punch these people in the bridge of their nose. I don't need any man to authorize where I can defend myself. I have the right from God. And the responsibility to defend myself and my family and innocence from evil on planet Earth. Now, some people go, well, Ted, we have laws. They're immoral laws that infringe on the Second Amendment when they require you to have fingerprints and photo ID and permits and licenses. That's the crime. That's the infringement. The people executing those infringements, they need to be arrested. They don't have that right. That's how far we've given this up, Chad. So I hope everybody who believes in the right of self-defense, number one, I hope everybody carries a gun. Our government, the terrorist Uncle Sam, just imported tens of thousands of unknown jihadists In our C-17s, we're in stupid pajamas from Afghanistan into the United States of America, and they've already dispersed across the country. These people chop off the heads of infidels. If you are unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless. And if someone tries to chop off one of your loved one's heads, I suppose you can run home and get your gun, or maybe go to the truck, or maybe open the safe, and hang on with that shiv, I gotta go get my gun. If you're unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless. Everybody should be a member of Gun Owners of America, the National Rightsful Association, and the United States Concealed Carry Association. The United States Concealed Carry Association, USCCA, they are more on top of it than anybody, especially when it comes to getting back our real Second Amendment without paperwork. And again, I reiterate, because a lot of people are going, going, oh, what the hell is he talking about? I don't need a permit for my first. Amendment. My First Amendment is good on U.S. soil within the borders. I don't need paperwork for my Second Amendment. It's written down that I have the right from God and guaranteed by the Bill of Rights to keep and bear arms. Keep means it's mine. You can't have it. And bear means I have a couple on me right now and they're low. Chad, when I graduated from high school, I was Nineteen years old. I've never been without a gun since. I have a handkerchief. I got a pocket knife. I got some guitar picks. I got my wallet with some ID, a little bit of cash, a couple credit cards. I got a gun. I got spare ammo. Never have I been without a gun. I feel it's stupid. Irresponsible. I can tell you about 24 Texans at Luby's Cafeteria that obeyed the immoral law that they weren't allowed to have their pistols with them in the restaurant. They all died. If you're unarmed and helpless, you're unarmed and helpless. Here's a tip from the guitar player. Don't be unarmed and helpless evil is looking for you well that's paranoid i'm not paranoid i'm easy going but if you if i feel threatened i'll cut you in half so now let's go to the, let's go to concealed versus open carry that's what right, i was saying. you can do whatever you want keep bare yeah. arms means you can keep it under your shirt or outside your shirt i personally with the specialist that i train with the delta force the special forces and special ops guys, the undercover U.S. Marshals and some of the greatest warriors that ever walked the earth, one of which I'm not, but I aspire to at least be the best sheepdog I can be and to be always in code orange as relaxed as I can be. I think it is a major mistake to carry open because if someone who are Democrat- gangbangers with their engineered recidivism. If some of one of these gazillions of paroled monsters decides to push over a gas station and they see the pistol on the side of your belt, they're going to shoot you first. Whereas if it's concealed, they don't know what you are or what kind of threat you might be. So I always advocate adamantly concealed carry is the way to go
1: i could not agree more i have to go back to the question that i asked that i told you i would come back to regarding pets and we're going to go back to concealed and politics but i i i've wondered this for a while and i got to be educated i'm throwing you a curveball this is not scripted this is going to be just like everything ted nugent does in the raw i went i went to um get drive a person to get their fingerprints down the other day and we drove past the building for pets you mentioned animal activists you mentioned um there's different organizations out there that are against what we do with hunting and fishing the ethical treatment of animals people p to all of them the aspca the National Humane Society, I have. I see you shaking your head already. I've never, ever been in your presence, Mr. Ted Nugent, and mentioned this to you. I've never been on a Zoom call or a phone call with you and mentioned this to you. I want the listeners to understand this. This is something that I have a very difficult time watching these infomercials and my daughter looking at me and falling into this mindset of what they're trying to say on these commercials. And I cannot, I. I am not well-spoken enough, I guess, to get the right verbiage out. I'm wondering what your opinion is on what's going on with this, these shelters, these umbrellas called the ASPCA and the Humane Society. Are they good for animals, and do they do what they say they do regarding the money that is being deposited into their accounts on a daily basis?
0: Well, two points. You're a conscientious guy. You're a caring guy. I'm a, I'm a father and a grandfather, and I spend a lot of time with my kids my grandkids, and they see these heart-wrenching scams these heart-wrenching scams on TV with the sad piano music and the the malnourished, big-eyed puppy dog drooling on himself. The Humane Society of the United States is a scam. They, They are just evil, evil people who take their gazillions of dollars with their private jets and their exorbitant salaries, and they travel all over, to play on people's emotions. Now, that's the Humane Society of the United States. It's like people for ethical treatment of animals. They haven't saved diddly. In fact, PETA and the Humane Society have been caught in a number of instances where they're taking pets in for a no-kill shelter, and then they kill them and throw them in the dumpster. This isn't isn't allegedly. They've been caught doing this before. Now, conversely, there are many, many regional and local animal shelters, many of which Shemaine and I have helped raise money for, that are responsible, loving, caring, empathetic, passionate, compassionate animal care locations. You need to get in and, and vet those places that do take care of these pets and take care of these stray animals and overpopulated animals and euthanasia is always an option but we donate all of our fundraising time and donations to the proven we we check them out we meet with the people that it's a no-kill shelter and they spend the money to find good homes for these cats and dogs and also an occasional pig, an occasional parrot. So there are some really loving, caring animal lovers out there, and they're usually found in local humane societies. The humane society of the United States is not a humane society. It's a scam. And they spend gazillions of dollars putting together these heart-wrenching commercials to play on people's emotions. So you've got to tell your kids and your grandkids and your wives and your friends This is a scam. They make millions of dollars and they don't even have a shelter. They don't even take care of any of these animals. Go to your local shelter. Find out. Number one, are you against hunting? Ask the boss at the local shelter. Do you support hunting? And if they say, well, I'm all right, that's all I need to know. I'm getting out of here. If they come, if they don't come right and go, well, of course we support hunting. That's about balancing wildlife and and keeping wildlife in the asset column and and mitigating the highway slaughter and the unnecessary uh, carnage and and suffering when there's overpopulation. Of course we support hunting, but we also try to find homes for these abandoned pets or these overpopulated pets or pets that are found in on, on, on unacceptable conditions. So you need again, there's that communication thing. You know what I'm actually identifying here, Chad. This is politics. This is local politics finding out how that place that claims they're taking care of unwanted pets or overpopulated pets or strays or whatever to find out what they really do with the donations. And if they do take care of them, make the donation. But so many are scared scams and if you got some tv commercial and the puppy's drooling got the big eyes and he's all ribby and malnourished and the lady goes you know this puppy he wants you to come comfort him if it sounds like a scam it's a scam
1: you've been on this podcast before ted nugent and you told me that that we've talked about hollywood you've mentioned hollywood today it's easy to say Guns should be outlawed, but as long as I'm protected with an armed guard around me 24 hours a day, Liam Nielsen and Johnny Depp and all these people that have made movies killing people with guns and then speak out against them. I got to know this because being in the business of of entertainment and loving Howard Stern my whole life back in, you know, and and I'm not saying I do right now. I have to get your opinion on this because I loved this man for so many years. I don't know if he's lost his mind, and it's it happened to me during the Hillary interview about 18 months, 24 months yeah. ago, to where everything just went downside with me. He's always talked about how he has guns in his house, he's protected by armed guards, he believes in gun, the Second Amendment, but he also believes in all the vetting and the gun control. But I got to get your opinion because I think you've been on his show. I think you've played your – I think you have association with this man. I can't listen to Howard Stern anymore, and it drives me nuts because he put these views before he put what he was really put on radio to do. It's almost like the analysis of, of why are you sitting here telling me that you're protected by guns, but you're supporting people that are anti, anti, anti all the time. Am I on to something with Howard Stern or is it even worth talking about Ted Nugent?
0: You're a smart, smart, smart man, Chad. Your radar works very accurately. Your discerning information and dissecting the spoken word is a very efficient machine. I salute you. Let me let me give you a big overview. I started doing Howard Stern's radio show interviews way back in the, 19, in the late 60s um, when he was just starting out. This is the ultimate goofball. <laughs> what a goofball. <laughs> A funny goofball. And so I've really enjoyed him too. And over the years, he's taken that super goofball numbnut thing and turned it into, he's a really good interviewer. Um, my, my sons and daughters, they listen to Howard Stern, but they also call me to report when he's so hypocritical. Here's the overview of a guy who loves Howard Stern, has monitored him for over, geez, it's got to be close to 50 years. I've been paying attention to Howard Stern. I was in his movie. I've been on his radio show from the early days to the, to the crazy days, to the uh, transition into satellite uh, 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 XM radio. And I've been on his show and played my guitar, I had my family and my wife and my kids on Howard Stern's show. Here's the, here's the sad part. He's really a smart guy. He's a clever guy. He's got a great work ethic. My God, getting up every day like he does and doing that radio show, that could be a real pain in the ass if there's no duck hunting involved. But he has completely lost it. When he is so insulated, he is so self-insulated from discomforting information, of course, some of the most important information in life for us is the discomforting ones because that's where you learn your lesson when you study the Trail of Tears, when you study the Baton Death March, the Rape of Nan King, when you study different cultures and the evil and the slaughter and the genocide. You need to study discomforting information. Unfortunately, nowadays, Howard Stern has run scared from discomfort information and your point about the hillary interview is right on because here's a guy who's was pro second amendment pro self-defense he has guns when when i did his movie everybody was comparing guns everybody had a gun on the movie set it was awesome <laughs> and it was all illegal and one time i went to his uh, new york city studio with uh lenny DePaul, the commander of the u.s marshal fugitive task force of new york and new jersey and as you go into the green room He's got one of the my old buddies, an NYPD uh, 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 hero that now does security for Howard and wands everybody and goes through a metal detector. So I'm packing. I had a Glock 20 and a Glock 29 with four magazines. Lenny had a nine millimeter with a spare magazine. I had a belt tool and a pocket knife and a, and a clip knife. And the guy's <laughs> the guys wanding us and the thing's going off like it's a, like a DEFCOM-free alarm system. And so we had to take off all our hardware hardware and put it in a lockbox. And off the air, Howard says, my my detective said he's never seen so much hardware this side of the shot show. <laughs> <laughs> we, before we entered the studio, we had to demilitarize. It was really kind of cute. But the point is, the hypocritical knee-jerk insanity from a leftist like Howard Stern where he claims he had believes in the Second Amendment and then he supports a woman who would have eradicated the Second Amendment who literally called a standard deer rifle an assault weapon and called a regular AR semi-auto a machine gun and is on the record that she's gonna ban the Second Amendment. So he goes, I, I support the Second Amendment, but I'm voting for a person who will end it. I mean, Howard, I, I don't think he does that many drugs anymore. Maybe I don't know if he's clean and sober, but I think the years of drug abuse, this is allegedly... I think it's burned his brain. He doesn't have any logic anymore. He says things about me on the radio. My, my son and daughter just texted me the other day where he's saying about how you're irresponsible if you don't get the vaccine, which is an experimental shot. It's not a vaccine. And who are you going to listen to, the doctors or Ted Nugent? Well, I'm, I, I didn't come up with this stuff. I listened to the frontline doctors, the experts, the virologists, the epidemiologists. I listened to the masters of the planet who recommended hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and steroids and zinc and all the pew, the proven treatments for the Wuhan vet weapon. And Howard Stewart goes, Who well, you listen to, the doctors or Ted Nugent? Well, what a dirtbag. What a what a what a small-minded little presumptuous punk he's turned into. Instead of saying that, why didn't he give me a call and talk to me about where I get my information? Because I'm just a guitar player. I'm not gonna claim I have any medical training, but I talk to doctors. Every day since the Wuhan virus was weaponized by Dr. Fauci, Nancy Pelosi and Barack Prickface Obama. I mean, that's the facts of the matter. We have the footage. We have the we have the evidence. It's irrefutable. So Howard Stern has turned into a small minded leftist little knee jerk presumptuous punk.
1: God, I wish I could say it like that. That's what I was trying to say, Ted. <laughs> I can't listen to him anymore. Well, I you and, covered, and I hey, look, and I, and I've never been a Robin fan, but now when she talks, I'm just like, okay, I'm not I'm not even giving him a chance again. They got Baba Bowie going down this road. They, they, it's like I can't, I can't even listen to him anymore because it used to be the funniest, wittiest, cleverest prank calls. And, yes. and, and the interview, yeah. his interviews are amazing. I'm not gonna say they're not. He's he's unapologetic, but man, he's turned me off. and We gotta stay on one house. Howard Stern common denominator for a second I'm a big rodeo fan and the reason I'm saying this is because NFR and Lane Frost in the movie 8 Seconds really got me introduced to what what I started to know more down the road of my entertainment life is the Baldwin family. I'm a fa- I'm a fan of some of the Baldwins. I love what Stephen did in 8 Seconds. I think what the, the college wrestling that they support in, in, in the Baldwin family every year in the NCAA finals is very awesome to listen to his knowledge of. But then the- their other brother that's always on the howard stern show and he's in some a pickle right now with what happened on his hollywood movie set how do you break this down mr ted nugent on what alec baldwin is claiming is an accident but now there is some investigation going on i am not going to sit here and act like i was on the set or i know anything about it i'm just going off of the the the, in, the information that i've gathered where do you stand on what alec baldwin is experiencing right now with his gun beliefs and he's denounced trump he's been on howard stern saying that republicans are the enemies he's been one of the biggest people in the country hollywood wise that denounce everything ted nugent and myself stand for how do you feel about what's going on now
0: well i've been paying attention to alec baldwin for many many years great actor done some great great roles uh i I would say an a-list actor um, so I have to salute his work ethic and his cultivation and nurturing of the gifts that God has given him. So let's give him that positive to start with. But other than that, he's a lowlife scum that would actually blame the good families of the National Rifle Association for the murder of school children. That's what he did. That is a low life scum that's talking through his LSD, Timothy Leary, substance abuse lifestyle. He's lost his mind and he's lost his soul. Now, I gave you a good positive and I just gave you a real negative attack. Now, I'm going to give you another positive, not knowing because I agree with you. I wasn't there. You weren't there, but I've been in the on. And I've been I performed on Miami Vice and I was given a weapon of a, a, a prop, but it happened to be the exact replica of the gun I was carrying at the time that I filmed the Miami Vice. I was carrying a Taurus brushed nickel nine millimeter um, with spare magazines. And every time I came to the set, when they gave me the prop gun, it was the exact same gun, but it was a prop gun. Well, I disassembled my Taurus every day before I started. As soon as I got to my trailer, I disassembled my gun and put the parts in all different areas. So no one could ever possibly mistake the two. Well, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, knowing to some degree, and as an experienced guy in that world, that we all know the number one gun rule. There's only one gun rule ever needed anywhere, ever. You never point a weapon at anything you're not willing to destroy. Case closed. Muzzle, muzzle, muzzle. Where's the muzzle? What are you covering? I don't care if it's loaded or unloaded because they're all always loaded. Period. You never cover with the muzzle anything you're not willing to destroy. Well, that rule is broke all the time. I don't think I ever seen a movie or a TV show, and unfortunately some hunting camps where that rule is broken all the time. Just last night's Yellowstone episode, I'm going, to, geez, who, who directed this? It's a brilliant program, but there was some gun mistakes that were just glaring. Anyhow, when I shot Don Johnson during the shootout, I made sure the muzzle wasn't even pointed towards him, even though the muzzle, the, the barrel was incapacitated. It was filled. It wouldn't shoot. They had squib loads just to work the action. I'm going to give Alec Baldwin the benefit of the doubt and say that I'm praying for him. If he has to carry this horrific burden of guilt, knowing what he took part in, taking a life, Even a punk like Alec Baldwin, that's got to weigh heavily on him. And I'm thinking if it happened to you or me, I would want prayers for us. So I'm going to pray for Alec Baldwin. And I hope the investigation proves that he was performing as directed, not being a smartass and pointing it randomly. I don't know what he would have been pointing it at a photographer for. She wasn't a participant. So already you can start to... Analyze guilt on his part. Again, this is all alleged. But here's the real culprit. Who was the prop manager? Who was the armorer on set? I understand, and again, allegedly, that live rounds were found. Why would there be live rounds on a set? And why would a prop gun be capable of of firing live rounds. I'm just a guitar player, but again, I've done acting, and I've, I've trained a lot of people with firearms, and I've been trained by the best of the best that ever lived, and I carry a gun every day. I train every other day. I'm, I'm, I'm as familiar with firearms as I am with my toothbrush and my, my, my steering wheel. So there's a lot of variables at play here. Is Alec Baldwin a rotten punk? He's, the, he's as rotten a punk as rotten punks can be. Is he guilty of homicide? We hope that the investigation is thorough, but I have very little faith in that happening because leftists, liberals, and Democrats have historically gotten away with murder. Murder. And I hope that doesn't happen here. I hope the facts come out, and I hope all guilty parties are uh, are, are, uh, are tried and convicted accordingly. I
1: have—we uh, have a few minutes left. I love listening to you talk, Mr. Ted Nugent. It's amazing. I I, I tell everybody, like— the, the how well read you are how well versed you are how i don't even know your education i just know that you see things through a microscope that i wish a lot of people did because you've taken your time and the way that you just broke down howard stern and then right after alec baldwin it's sympathetic but it's also the truth my brother has a master's degree ted nugent he's a physical therapist he makes an amazing living he graduated first in his class from the University of Nevada Las Vegas with the state paying for his education and his master's program. He's been a he's 44 years old. He has two sons. He's married to Heather, who is an angel of a woman, and she had two daughters from her previous marriage. My my, hus- my Her husband, my brother, stepped up and helped raise her two young daughters to where they're beautiful college graduates. One's about to become a mother for the first time getting married in June. My nephew, Chance, is a college baseball player in California now, and my other nephew, Caden, just took on his first job at 16 years old as, he, as he's ready to graduate high school. My brother was informed last Thursday, so four or five days ago, four days ago, that as of January 4th, 2022, he will be 100% terminated from his six-digit salary because he refuses to get the vaccination. What can I do to help my brother or anybody going through this? Because this is just one example in the state of Nevada where I live, and I'm very bummed out to know that my brother has this stress on him right now after taking The time in his life and sacrificing to get a master's degree. This guy is medically trained and and, and educated, Ted Nugent. It hurts my heart to know that I had to get this phone call from my brother and hear his positioning on it. Is there anything we can do right now as Americans that my brother will not get fired because his uh, unwillingness to cooperate with the vaccination, quote unquote, mandate?
0: Well, number one, a big salute to your family, Chad, because obviously you guys were raised right to be the best that you can be. And it sounds like he's the man in the arena who really put his heart and soul into pursuing his ultimate life, liberty and happiness and a big salute to all of them. You've described them wonderfully and I feel like I know them and hopefully someday we'll all share a campfire together. But in the meantime, I I wish people would tell their mayor, their senator, their congressman, and their governor's office every day mayor senator congressman and governor's office every day my name is so-and-so my family live with such and such you're my mayor you're my senator you're my congressman you're my governor it's not a vaccine it's an experimental shot and it is illegal for any government to force medicine on its citizens not just instinctively and common sense wise logically But the Nuremberg trials globally defined that because when someone tries to force medical experimentation on a citizen, that's a brown shirt Nazi Gestapo move. You need to tell your mayor. Your senator, your congressman and your governor's office, you will get them on the phone. But ask the person who answers their name and tell them you're taking a note that you're calling them on such and such a day at such and such a time. I want you to write down my family's name and I want you to write down the following. It's not a vaccine. That's not information from Ted Nugent. It's information from professional virologists and epidemiologists around the world that are sounding the alarm, people who work for Big Farm, people who are in the development of these experimental shots, telling you it's not a vaccine. It's an experimental shot that is loaded with dangerous components That there is no study on its long-term effect, you cannot force this experimental shot on me or my brother or my family members. And then the next day, call them and tell them to do tell them again and tell your neighbors and your family and your hunting buddies and the people at church and school and at work. Call these people and tell them. It's not a vaccine. It's an experimental shot. How dare you force medicine that has no research for long-term effects with all the evidence of short-term tragedies? How dare you force that on me and then render me jobless? If you don't do it every day, they ignore you. After a while, they go, oh, my God, it's that Chad building calling again. Oh, God, here we go again. And eventually they'll have, they'll have emergency meetings going, you know, we're getting hammered about this. You know, maybe we should take a different look. There's some state's attorneys general that are putting together crusades to stop this force experimental shot on innocent Americans. Be part of that crusade. In the state of Nevada, you got some people running. I don't have their names in front of me right now. Joey but really, Gilbert.
1: Got- I need you to promote Joey Gilbert as our governor, Mr. Ted exactly. Nugent.
0: Exactly. Egg- those kind of <laughs> guys. There's a bunch in Nevada. There's a bunch in all 50 states. But you got to get your hunting buddies. You got to get your bowling buddies. You got to get your barbecue buddies. You got to get your friends and your neighbors at church and work. You need to become such an unstoppable momentum of truth, logic, and common sense from We the People that it finally drives these Marxists crazy. It's an experimental shot. Anybody comes at me with a needle, I'm cutting them in half.
1: I know that you have an ax behind you, and I'm going to ask you something about that guitar in a second, but I have to ask you this as a father, um, an uncle. You've mentioned Alec Baldwin and and your compassion and your prayers for him and Howard Stern and how he's changed. How do you go about fathering a 10-year-old that looks at you and says, Does Axl Rose promote your lifestyle? My question to you is simply this, Ted Nugent. Slash is one of my favorite guitarists of all time. On a talent level, you're as good, if not better, than Slash. I'm sure that you've played on the same stage as Slash. How do you go about... Appreciating the art and the talent of somebody like Guns N' Roses, who I grew up a fanatic of Guns N' Roses since Appetite for Destruction came in '86. But also, you just mentioned a show that took the world by storm the last 36 months called Yellowstone, which had its two-hour season four premiere last night. Myself, personally, I have not viewed one episode, and the reason was is because I don't feel that Kevin Costner supports the lifestyle or the Second Amendment the way that somebody in the position of Dances with the Wolves and his 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 con- contributions to the heritage of the American Indian, of the Native Americans. How can we educate our youth, or how do you say it, Ted, with a straight face that you support Yellowstone and you watch it and you love playing a duo with Axl Rose or Slash if you have, I'm assuming that you have, but then they turn around and they denounce Trump, they denounce the Second Amendment, they, de- they, they support PETA. How do we do this and educate our youth that it's okay to listen to their music but we don't have to see eye to eye? Is that all you have to say? It's okay to watch Yellowstone, but we don't have to be a Kevin Costner fan. How do I do this? How do I watch Yellowstone when I don't feel that they support what I support?
0: Well, Chad, you know, I've been militantly anti-substance abuse all my life. I mean, militant. I've made it a battle cry throughout my life that clean and sober is the only way to thank God for this incredible gift of life. You never, ever poison the sacred gift of life with chemicals or drugs or alcohol. You just don't do it. Now, a little sundowner after a duck hunt and you got the birds breasted and you're sitting around a campfire. I got buddies that drink some bourbon and some whiskey and they have a beer and they have some red wine. That's better for you than a Coca-Cola. As long as you don't do it to the point where you start drooling and becoming a liability. I happen to have chosen in my life to be clean and sober forever. I've never touched any of those poisons. I consider them all poisons. But you know one of my one of my heroes is Keith Richards and he's basically a repository of all chemical warfare. <laughs> I don't think he's ever had a sober day in his life since he was 4. And I spent time with Keith Richards and I've been invited down to their concert coming up just here next next couple of weeks in in Miami. And we spent the weekend together at the crazy decadent evil, Studio 54 in Manhattan back in 1968. And Keith was gone. I mean, just how he functioned, I will never understand. So the point is, is that art and entertainment, we need to teach our children and make sure we understand ourselves that Salvador Dali created eye candy and interesting, adventurous artwork and that Jimi Hendrix created a tapestry of guitar wonderment in a stone condition. And I got to jam with Jimmy and I got to, I, I played with the greatest that I've ever lived. I've jammed with BB King and I've played with Rick Derringer and, and Brad and, and, and Billy Joey Gibbons. from America, and Brian May. And, and I mean, I and Billy Gibbons and, and Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I've been so blessed to jam with the world's greatest. Wow, Many of them, adhere to our principles of God, family, country. Many of them, many of them are viciously against that, against guns, even though the guys, some of the guys are, I won't mention any names, that are against, they hate the NRA and hate guns and they carry a gun. <laughs> but if you, if you smoke enough dope, you I guess that's why you can be that stupid. The point is, is that I've made it perfectly clear to my family members that life is a gift from God and you don't poison it with unidentifiable food in irresponsible quantities. And if it has alcohol, drugs, or tobacco, you know, I've, I've, I've had a couple Cubans around a campfire and with a glass of red wine. So I'm not being hypocritical. I'm telling you the truth. I've, Shemaine and I like red wine with our back straps, but I, I drink, I don't know, what be a, a juice glass full? That's about all I can take. Even though with back straps around the campfire with the Cuban, I don't inhale. But it seems right when I shoot my machine gun. It just seems I should have a cigar nearby. <laughs> that, being <laughs> said, that, that being said, that doesn't qualify me as a smoker or a drinker, I don't believe. And also, I use CBD on my neck and back and back pain. Uh, so it, 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 you, you see what I'm getting at here is that in, 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 intelligent, responsible application of ingredients from God's creation have their place. Whether you're talking chemo or radiation or or hardcore uh, drugs and opiates for people in in difficult health conditions, I I support all of that. But there's a difference between being tuned in in life, and again, I, I simplify it. I want to be, I insist, I I discipline myself to be an asset. I need to be an asset. If the house starts on fire, I don't want to be comfortably numb. I want to be cocked, locked, and ready to rock, as comfortable as I can be, to save my family from a burning building. I I am more outrageous than anybody you'll ever meet. I have more fun. I, I can be crazier and wilder and out of control more than anybody you will ever meet, but not if it includes guns, not if it includes disciplining and guiding and nurturing and loving grandchildren and and children, not to mention all the children charity work I do, but you need to constantly educate those children that substance abuse is the cause of heartbreak and ruined lives all the time. Now, I, I finally got my sister to quit smoking because our mom died from it. I, my my sons, they'll have a beer at Thanksgiving. I, I don't. I have water. I've even got off the sugary drink. I just don't drink sugary drinks anymore. But it's about discipline and valuing health. Is Mr. Hand bringing something healthy towards Mr. Mouth? Or is Mr. Hand grabbing poisons, chemicals, or unidentifiable things that have words that you can't pronounce and putting it into your sacred temple? There's another colloquialism, sacred temple. When I bring that up around my children's charities, I've never met a child that knows the term sacred temple. This is my sacred temple. Why would I put garbage in a sacred temple? And of course, I wouldn't. So this is is how I've raised my kids. And I gotta tell you, Chad, you meet my sons and daughters, you meet my grandkids, just the greatest human beings. They're healthy, they're smart, they're loving, they're caring, work ethic from samurai mountaintop and cocky and funny and disciplined and tuned in to be an asset. They want to be an asset to the room, to the neighborhood, to America, to family. And the only way to be an asset is to be healthy, well-rested, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and dedicated to God, family, country, freedom, law, and order. The Hunter Nation battle cry. So I know I'm, I'm waxing poetic here, but I think in overview, that's how I've trained my children. That's how I've trained myself. That's the battle cry of quality of life that all my friends, all my hunting friends. And again, Chad, I just wrapped up our seventh weekend with a camp full of great Americans, anywhere from 16 to 30 great family members from all across the nation. Around a campfire, we're killing hogs and deer and goats and rams and, and laughing and, and cooking fish fillets and squirrels. And 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 every weekend I get an input from the core of humanity. Working hard, playing hard, American shit kickers who dedicate their lives to be in the asset column so that they can be a benefit to their neighbor, a benefit to their country. And so it's not a Ted Nugent thing. I genuflect at the altar of truth, logic, and common sense. And that truth, logic, and common sense, it will guide you as long as you hammer it home. Children need it hammered. They need to be told that you can love your puppy and love your cat, but you need to shoot the deer before it goes through the windshield of Aunt Edna. (laughs) There's some truisms out there that even young, young children will grasp if you present it to them and show them the evidence and constantly hammer it home. So that's the way I've conducted my life. And I got to tell you, the Nugent family is happy. We're healthy. We're tuned in. We work hard. And I have a funny feeling It's just like your family.
1: I just wish Slash and Axel were listening right now so they could understand how Ted Nugent raises his family. I just wish that they saw the benefits and the values and everything that we live every day. And I'm not – they might be great people. I've never met them. But I just don't like the fact that you get on stage and they did that to our president in a foreign country in Mexico. And I just – I I spent so much money supporting Guns N' Roses when you question yourself. So that's what I was simply asking. Is it okay – to love Guns N' Roses and Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. It's okay. Yes.
0: Great music. One of their first uh, concerts was opening up for me at the Santa Monica Civic Center in 1980. Wow. 84 and I could tell right away that those guys had it and Slash has done a lot of interviews where he gives me credit as being his number one guitar influence so uh, you know he's on the right track there
1: <laughs> okay Ted I gotta ask I, I asked your permission last time you played the riff of Cat Scratch Fever are we allowed to talk about the new single the new song are we allowed to mention it I have a suburb but I wanted to ask your permission my brother Clay is a huge Ted Nugent fan he's an unbelievable hunter and he's an awesome guitar player and picker and a songwriter I have a guy that works for us named Corey Hinckley who's from from texas he's uh just came out here from nashville singer songwriter guitar picker great guitar picker is it okay if i brought them into the room to listen to a little riff of the new song
0: i couldn't be more proud of this new record i'm telling you jason hartless on drums greg smith on bass guitar do you have a copy of come and take it there
1: yes i listened to it twice this morning
0: i could not be more proud my guys rock their flaming balls off man I love it, and I, I actually just told a lie, kind of.
1: I have the 60 second. Can you text me the whole one? I have the 60 I've second done. sample.
0: In fact, you can start playing it this week. I'm going to text it to you right now because it breaks into a rhythm guitar. In fact, I don't know if you can hear this. I don't know if this comes through during a, a, Does this a Zoom call. Chad, this is Clay and Corey.
1: Can you hear that? Yes, very well. Is there any way that you could scoot back like three inches so we could see your fingers moving on the on the on the axe? Hey, Ted, this is my brother Clay right here. Can you hear me? Stuff. Ted, this is my brother, Clay, right here.
0: Yowza! How are you? <laughs> and
1: this is Corey behind us. What's
0: up, man? Nice to see you guys.
1: Corey's from, hold on a second. Corey, you're from Beaumont? Uh,
0: no, from Odessa.
1: He's from Odessa.
0: I love Odessa. That's the uh, panhandle up there. Yes, sir. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> so the new single is going to drop next week, and we can start promoting it. Come and take
0: it. Let her rip hey look at this before you start playing look at my hat i love it god bless you sir
1: (laughs) ted it's been another great great conversation i love being educated i love our friendship i can't wait to share a campfire is there any closing words that we can go out on um for hunter nation for anything that's going on in america i mentioned my brother clinton what he's getting ready to go through but just send us out with uh Wait a minute, i got to ask, what's that shirt over your left shoulder right there? Is that a uh, Reagan Bush shirt or is that a Nugent something shirt? Here it goes. Oh, look at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trump Nugent 24. I love some guy, it.
0: Some guy made me that, and then I've signed I've signed another 2,000 of these hats. If people want a, an autographed I Will Not Comply hat, you can get them at TedNugent.com right now.
1: TedNugent.com, I Will Not Comply signed. Signed on the bill by Ted himself. Man, thank you. This has been awesome. I love having you coming on. But yeah, is there anything that you want to end it with? Is there, you've said so much, but I know that, that there's always more.
0: Well, number one, thank you, Chad, because truth, logic, and common sense is alive and well across the land. Virginia proved it. We're proving it in New Jersey. We're proving it around the country. But we, the people who believe in God, family, country, law, and order, the hunting lifestyle, we have to engage If the licensed hunters of this country voted their core beliefs, we would win every election and there would be no Marxism. There would be no liberalism. There would be no Antifa terrorists. There would be no Black Lives Matter liars and terrorists. But hunters have to engage. Let me leave you with this. I'm having a great season. I'm losing some friends, some really heavy friends that are dying of the weaponized Wuhan virus. And in each instance, they were, many of them, dramatically overweight. My friends, God gives us this incredible gift that we celebrate so powerfully during the hunting season, participating in his mystical and magical, miraculous creation. Let's all fight harder to make sure we are healthier That our children are healthier. Get the sugar, the carbs out of their lives. Get the diet chemical warfare. If it says diet or sugar free, it's loaded with chemicals. Get it out of your life. And here's a very important one. A great man named Trey Johnson who does charity work at our our Sunrise Campfire for the last 17 years. Trey always wears a safety harness in his elevated stands. He went up to trim a stand the other day, and he fell, and he's in intensive care. He's in bad, bad shape. If you're going to hunt elevated, wear your fall restraint system. Never, ever climb into an elevated stand without a safety harness and a fall restraint system. Ever. Even if you're just climbing to trim a shooting lane. Every year, we lose our hunting friends from falling out of tree stands. That could be ended, just like this unnecessary death from the weaponized Wuhan virus could be ended if we just take better care of ourselves. Eat healthy. If you can't pronounce the ingredients, don't let it in your house. If your kids are fat, change their diet. You need to be trim. You need to be a warrior. God gave us this gift of life to be the best that we can be, not to be weak, not to be heavy, not to be slow. Hunter Nation is about God, family, country, and making sure that that is the battle cry to steer policy and regulations in America. Go to HunterNation.org. Everybody you know hunternation.org. We did it in Virginia. We're going to do it in all 50 states. But if you don't vote God, family, country, the devil wins. So Chad, God bless you. Hope you have a great season. Happy Sadie and Coco are ready to go for some pheasants this afternoon, and I'm I've got a. I've got a shopping list that includes much backstrapness.
1: <laughs> Ted, you are the man. That's the Fowl Life podcast brought to you again by Hunter Nation. Visit HunterNation.org, become a member, get involved, and let's change the way things are going in our states, especially those eight states that don't allow hunting on Sunday. And And uh, I got one other thing to say before we leave Ted Nugent. He's got a strobe light on me right now. Ted, I'm, I want you to know that we our prayers are with your the man who fell out of the tree cutting lanes. I hope that he recovers and gets out of ICU very quick. Thank you for everything that you stand for. Thank you for coming onto this podcast and enlightening and educating our listening audience. I can't wait to see you soon. Have a great season. take care of your family and stay safe. And thank you, seriously, from the bottom of my heart because here's the deal. There's a lot of great hunters out there. There's a lot of great voices including our mutual friend Michael Waddell who I I I attribute for getting us involved in this industry. But we do not have the platform that Ted Nugent does, so I salute you for going on and doing what you've done with Jason Whitlock and others and there's a lot more coming from Jason from what I'm seeing right now. I know he's going to be visiting you in camp, but thank you for what you do on those giant platforms because it allows us to have the confidence to go out and do it on the platforms that we have in front of us. So thank you Mr Mr. mr ted nugent
0: thank you chad good meeting you guys i hope you have continued great season i hope everybody has a safe season and i hope everybody is a member of hunter nation god bless y'all man god bless
1: you mr ted take care